is this on? Beans, I'm going to need you to explain to us about what exactly happened to Kansas Wesleyan here and why there was paint thinner involved. Okay, so this has taken Twitter. Even Barstool tweeted about this small school in Can- Salina, Kansas. Uh, Kansas Wesleyan is where I graduated from a couple years ago. Uh, and we lost Sam. <laughs> He's That's driving. <laughs> That's going to happen. He's driving. So um, Kansas Wesleyan and Salina, they had an incident where they were playing baseball at Bethany College, which is Lindsburg, Kansas. That is Kansas Westland's rivals. Not everybody's hitting that part in, in the media or anything. Bethany and K-Dub hate each other. They fucking hate each other. They're no bueno at all. Um, it's always a dogfight every time, like, even though Bethany's trash. Um, but anyways, uh, it's always like, uh, what do you uh, Common courtesy for the opposing team to provide Gatorade jugs for the opposing team. Well, during the baseball game, Bethany provided uh, Gatorade jugs with paint thinner in it. Of course. Damn, damn near killing people. <laughs> like, that's attempted murder. Come to find out in the end, like, it wasn't anybody from the Be- from Bethany uh, College or anything like that. It was two juveniles. Um, but K-Dub, get this, still 31 runs against Bethany. Okay, okay, hang on. I don't give a shit about the runs. How the fuck did two juveniles get paint thinners in a college, that's, that's like, like, dude, I don't know. I have no idea. That is, that is beyond me. Bethany like, is so so trash. At, that's sure, your only job have... as a water boy. Like, seriously, <laughs> no, that's the athletic trainer's job. Like, I feel like if you left water jugs out at the comp, like out at a baseball complex or whatever, like you should be fired for that. That is, you think you did get fired? I don't know. Everybody in Bethany should. Fired. I mean, at some point. Also, where this like is Bethany. I don't even know where Bethany's at. To be quite honest, Lindsburg. It's 15 minutes south of Salina. Oh, I know where Lindsburg is. Yeah. yeah. So it's- this didn't just get like wrote off as a joke, right? Like this was actually punished. Like people were got in trouble for this, right? I hope they went to jail. I I would hope someone you know. That's like I- that's a murder. Yeah, it is. But and I can't say it out. I don't know yeah. if they were trying to like paint something in the co- at 
hey, let's just use these Gatorade jugs. I don't know. But the fact that wow. that happened is crazy. I think the runs part is pretty because with them two hating each other, you would think you would think that Bethany did it because that just sounds like something they would do. But well, I didn't well, I'm know glad that, you... that you were such an insider on NAIA uh, baseball. Oh yeah, we can talk NAIA baseball if we want. Yeah, yeah. Who, so who uh... even is in that league? Who, who's the other teams? Oh, you got McPherson. Know. You got you have McPherson, Avila. Um, who else? Who else is there? Uh, St. Mary, which is in Leavenworth, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure. What's that? Yep, Avila. That sounds like Dollar Tree Abilene. (laughs) No. Whatever. No one gives a shit about NAIA fucking baseball in the state of Kansas. That's what I would say. None of our viewers do. So, Gavin, I need you to switch the subject. No, we're uh, done with the NIAA schools. Let's go to some sports that matter and talk about football. And because we know. Very, very big event this weekend, the NFL Draft. So I think we're just going to start this by giving some winners and losers for each team in the draft. So, Beans, why don't you give us your winner and loser for this week's NFL okay. Draft? All right. Can I start with the losers? Is this okay? Yep. Nope. Let's okay. be pessimistic. Boy, All right. Call losers and winners, that means. Oh, well, we're going we're gonna to switch the roles. The we're going to start with the losers um, alphabetically, I guess. Um, the Patriots. The Patriots, okay, I don't care that they took an offensive lineman in the first round because, you know, Cole Strange was talked about. He was actually my sleeper uh, when we talked about the offensive lineman. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, The Patriots were not sleeping on him, so that's cool. (laughs) They were very much awake. (laughs) They were woke. They listened to our podcast. I was going to say, oh, shit. I mean, he does have a chance. The Patriots, the people are asking. What's that? I said, do you work for the Patriots? The people are asking. Yeah, Bill Belichick hired me. Anyways, um, I just think it's funny that they picked Ty- uh, Tyquan Thornton just because he runs really fucking fast, and they picked him at pick 50, even when he was traded back and missed out on Sky Moore, George Pickens. and They took, like, a graded receiver. So I-, I just don't think they got better yesterday or the other day. No, they got better at Gunner on puck coverage. And That's that- a Exactly. That is exactly what it is. Like that's a that's a special teams move, if anything. Yeah. You need and, a and, Sean Sl- or, uh, Slater. I don't remember his name. Uh, that's the tackle. What's the what's that dude's name? He's made it to the Pro Bowl like every freaking year. Just a gunner. Yes, he makes it on special teams every year. It, it's like I, Slater. I can't even remember what it is. I can't remember either. Um, but I thought that was uh, kind of the, you know, and every, every other move just seemed kind of neutral. And, uh, and the wide receiver in the second round, they have a deep wide receiver room. Like, Well, they, they – I'd be careful with that too. They have a deep wide receiver room, but it's deep of like – Medium. There's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of bodies in the wide receiver That's room. all it really is. Kobe <laughs> um, Myers two. is the best receiver there, by the way. I don't, I don't want to hear anything about Devontae Parker being better than Kobe Myers. No. <laughs> Uh, and they took two running backs who I thought were really good. But then again, it just – I don't know. That just seems like such a Patriots move to take two of the same style running backs. So Yeah, speaking of a room that has a lot of bodies in it, by the way. Like their running back room is just chuck full of – No I think kidding. They have it's six running, running back, back right now. No, yeah. They expect them to get hurt every week. The way they use them, I would. Maybe the only – 
like each running back ten carries a game. I don't. I have no idea. But the other than aside from picking Cole Strange in the first round, even though that wasn't really a, a pick nobody saw coming, um, they took Bailey Zappi. So I thought that was a dub. <laughs> it's just they were that's my guy. L for you since he has no chance of playing now. Oh, just wait till Mac Jones gets hurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> winner, my winner is the Philadelphia Eagles. Holy they got they got good. Like they got I I'm taking AJ Brown AJ Brown as the draft pick there. Um I, I take that as a pick there. Yeah. Yep. And no, I agree. They won that draft. They they took a really good defensive tackle in Jordan Davis. They got a really good offensive lineman in Cam Jurgens, you know, the backup to Kelsey, uh uh Kelsey now. Nicobe Dean in the third round is a steal. If anything, so I thought they, I thought they moved forward. Yes, no, they completely did. I will actually uh, not, not to move along too fast here, but my loser for this draft was actually Tennessee, who is on the opposite side of that AJ Brown trade. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'll, I'll talk about AJ Brown here a little bit later. But there's just at, the deal that they offered AJ Brown was not borderline insulting; it was straight up insulting, and. I want to uh, at least not throw uh, Mike Vrabel in with this bucket because you, the video of him reacting to the trade and them taking Traylon Burks was pretty viral during uh, the draft, and he looked not too happy about it. He was doing exactly about what I would have been doing, except there would have been a chair through a window. I would have been pissed if I was Vrabel. So, no, the Eagles are absolutely walking out of this draft like kings, and it's pretty easy to do that, though, when you walk in with – three first round picks a month ago. So exactly. they didn't use them all correctly. So, and that's hard to do. Oh yeah, I agree. But uh, to keep us moving. Oh, go ahead beans. Who's your winner? Uh, yeah. So that's what to keep us moving along here. I am going with the chiefs as my winner. I don't give a fuck that uh, people <laughs> are going to say that this is uh Oh, you know, I'm um, pumping up the home team. No, the chiefs absolutely smashed this draft. We'll go into uh, detail with it later. But I just wanted to shout out how the Chiefs handled having a bunch of picks entering entering this draft and absolutely making a home run with it. So, uh, Sam, why don't you go ahead and give us your winner and loser, and we'll move to the rest of the quick hitters. Uh, so I got two winners. Ooh. Uh, one I will mention briefly as I try to think of a loser. Um, <laughs> the Ravens absolutely didn't – I mean, they didn't really win the draft. They didn't, like, do anything. They just – Decided to take the best players available at their pick, and they just so happened to be some of the best players in the draft because the NFL is dumb. So the Ravens were able to get Kyle Hamilton, and God, that was a long ass pass from that truck. Driving <laughs> <laughs> the engine there, um, but the Ravens were able to get Kyle Ham- Hamilton, who is arguably the best or one of the best players in the draft. And Tyler Winderbaum, who is arguably one of the best, if not the best, uh, players in the draft. Yep. And then, on top of it, they added two tight ends I really like, and they got James Njoku. So, I just think, overall, the amount of talent they added in terms of, like, the top of the draft, for having their highest pick be, like, what, pick 14? That's incredible. Yeah. Yep. Um. The other team I want to spotlight, too, and this is pretty obvious, but God did the Jets nail just... No kidding. Pick for the first four picks. 
They yeah, got, I don't. I don't think they could have done better. Like that, they, they honestly hit home runs. Either. They got arguably the best court in the draft. Some might have Stingley as better, but Gardner is one of the Gardner's a top five player in this draft. So they got a top five player for sure, arguably best court in the draft. And then they went and got Garrett Wilson, who is also arguably the best receiver in the draft. Now, granted, he wasn't taken first, but arguably he's the best receiver in the draft, one of the better players in the draft. And then they traded up, and they were able to get Jermaine Johnson, who is arguably one of the five best edge rushers in this draft class, arguably number three by some people, and should have been a top ten pick, according to some people. So that's already three top ten picks within one first round. And then they were able to get Reese Hall, who is the best running back in the draft. I'm going to stake my flag into that one. <laughs> but he's the best. he was the best running back in the draft. And honestly, pound for pound, if you ignore positional value, is another one of the best players in the draft in general. So you could argue that the Jets got pound for pound four of the ten best players in the draft in the first 30-whatever, 36 picks, I believe it was. So it didn't really matter what else they did the rest of the way drafting. I don't even know who the else they got to be completely Yeah, frank. no, it, it doesn't it matter didn't... after that point, right? No, yeah, they those matter. are all A-plus hits. Yeah, they absolutely hit home runs off those. Um, in terms of losers, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh Steelers because I think Kenny Pickett's fucking ass water – I think all the quarterbacks were ass water in general. <laughs> really, this is just any team that spent a first or second round pick on a quarterback. And Carolina. Because they shouldn't have spent a third round pick on uh, Matt Corral when they didn't have, you know, another pick. Or when they didn't have a second or whatever. So, you know what? If you took a quarterback in the first three rounds, you're an idiot. You're a loser. But especially Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh took one in the first round. And they probably could have just taken Kenny Pickett in the second round. And also, they, while they did take George Pickens, they also took another receiver. I don't even remember who the receiver was. It was like a fourth-round pick. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> yeah, that was Calvin Austin in the fourth round. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's who. That by the, by the way, you guys remember me bringing up the fact that uh, Matt Corral had character issues that were causing him to fall pre-draft? Yeah. So yeah. – that was uh, via Austin Gale on Twitter, who is a uh, analyst at PFF. That was released that a um, during the interview process, quote, alcohol was indeed a problem, or sometimes a problem, with Matt Corral, and some viewed him as an alcoholic. And like the very first comment underneath <laughs> that tweet is, "So like a college student." <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I understand you not wanting that in your franchise quarterback, but like if that's really the worst thing that you can find in your college student is that alcohol is a problem sometimes. <laughs> like, come on, man. I uh, I need a picture of him like photoshopped in that Len Dawson photo. Oh, dig in the uh, booze like on the sideline or whatever. It's not booze, it's like a fresh. It's it's fresco. It, there, it's a yeah. It's a it's well, a just photoshop. Can you make that happen? You're our, our 
picture editor. Yeah, I'll editor. try and make a Photoshop of uh, our alcoholic friend and Matt Corral. So <laughs> I'm hearing is that Matt Corral is a man, while the other quarterbacks are just boom boys. Well, it's funny because other quarterbacks that have got that like same things are people you know are bringing up like oh Baker Mayfield had the same stuff and I'm like I'm pretty sure that the reason Baker Mayfield didn't work in the NFL is because he's like not a great quarterback not because he was an alcoholic <laughs> I, I was I was led to believe that Baker Mayfield through the entire pre-draft process was a second round pick and then suddenly he was just the first overall pick it was complete chaos for me yep but okay so yeah, people oh, go ahead, don't Sam. like to remember that this is my little Baker rant real quick. People don't like to remember that, you know, going into the combine, Baker was just randomly the second, a second-round pick. And they were like, ah, the Jets can just take him in the second round. It'll be great, whatever. And then suddenly, just out of the blue, you know, it was like, hey, yo, uh, fuck it. Uh, Baker's now, like, a first-round pick. And it was like, but why? And it's like, quarterback. And it was like, fine, whatever. And then somehow he ended up being the first overall pick. I remember, like, the Jets wanted him, too. It was like, ah, Broadway Baker. And then, like, suddenly the Browns were like, wait a minute. You can't have him because we want him. So then they had to take him first overall. Bullshit. (laughs) I remember specifically the moments ingrained in my memory. I have no idea how it happened. I'm glad that Baker Mayfield had such a big impact on your life, Sam. And then it didn't even matter because both the quarterbacks that went to the Browns and the Jets fucking sucked and Josh Allen was the good one. (laughs) It didn't even matter. Who knew going to a stable organization was so important for quarterback development? Yeah, just ask Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) But, okay, Uh, we got to move on here. So uh, some of the other quick – I guess big news items that happened was uh, DeAndre Hopkins getting caught using a uh, mild horse tranquilizer during the season in order to get over his ham- hamstring issues. No, he was he was suspended the first I think seven games this year for using PEDs. So, hey, I guess, yeah. what are your guys' thoughts with that? Um, somebody, I think it was our friend uh, Jacob Katzenberg. Um, he read the opportunity yesterday that made me laugh like a very very bad man. Um. It was something along the lines of, won't put a vaccine into your body because you don't know what it's in, what's in it, but you'll put a horse tranquilizer in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was very funny. Um, I don't know. DeAndre Hopkins is an idiot, I guess. I, I don't know. This is how he's been playing so good for the past few years. Kyler Murray's well, going to stink because Kyler Murray always stinks when DeAndre Hopkins is out. Maybe he'll actually win MVP. Well, no. Kyler Murray. Uh, think and then he'll come out of nowhere. Kyler, Kyler Murray had that really good start at the beginning of the year. <clears throat> Do you think he's going to go 0-7 now? On. First seven weeks of the season? I just... I don't think because they got Marquise Brown no. that like they're going he's gonna completely fall off. And I agree with Sam to where like now the second half of the season, if the problem is Kyler Murray's just gotta stay healthy for the whole season. If he does that, he has a real chance to like blow up over the second half of the season, barring health of everyone in that offense. Um but there's nothing to say to this point that Kyler Murray's actually gonna be healthy at that point anyway, so it might not matter. 
Oh, man, we could see a real stinker of a season from Kyler Murray. We could see him, you know, play like garbage like he always does when DeAndre Hopkins is out. And then when DeAndre Hopkins, he might be hurt and not be able to throw the ball again. Well, let's not, like, let's not forget that DeAndre Hopkins was also, like, he had, like, a 20% target share in that offense last year, which was the lowest of his career. Yards per route run and efficiency metrics were dropping. Like, a 30-year-old receiver that has pretty much relied on uh, being a jump ball guy for the majority of his career. We may have, like, already started to see the end of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and this feels like a larger step in that direction. I agree. Uh, so, so that uh, traded for David Johnson round pick. I don't know how the hell that happened. That trade still boggles my mind. <laughs> but, uh, this, so the last thing that we had was uh, Tyron Matthew finally signing with the Saints. This move had been telegraphed for a while now. It looks like the Saints just wanted to wait till after the draft. I guess uh, I'll put the question I'll put to you guys is three years, $33 million with basically half of it guaranteed. Do you guys feel sorry for letting Tyron Matthew go for that? Do you are you glad he's gone? What do you think? Um, I, I'm okay with it. Um, well, more news transpired today that the Chiefs traded for a, a DB, uh, Lonnie Johnson from Houston, and I'm not saying Lonnie Johnson is Tyron Matthew. I'm not saying Justin Reed is Tyron Matthew, but the be getting is you, some more people in youth. Tyron Matthew is. Getting older, I don't want to give that money to someone who is aging out of his career. I want to give give that money to three or four players that are still young and can develop and be hopefully be Tyron. Mm-hmm. Sam, yeah, no, I mean I'm not Tyron's. Tyron's awesome and everything. Wow, that dude turned at about like the speed of I don't know a boat. boat oh, is it Traylon Burks? I, I almost fucking hit that dude. And he was burning. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm going like 20 miles an hour. Like, this dude will be long turned by the time that I, you know, am going by him. And I had to, like, turn into the other lane because this motherfucker wouldn't turn. <laughs> we get narrating from Sam. Yeah. Bullshit, man. Um, no, fuck Tyron Matthew. I'm not giving him that much money. The hell with them. No, uh, I'm not really. Tyron Matthew did a lot of good things for us. But, uh, yeah. Your boy is not about to, you know, fucking. I don't know what the speed limit is. There's a cop right there. God damn it. <laughs> Cop's going to um, join the pod. <laughs> that would be incredible, actually. You got um, the cop on the podcast? I just slowed down to 60 and kind of just hoped. Um, it seemed to have worked. Um, moving on. Yeah, not paying Tyre Matthews that much money for that many years. If he wanted to sign like one year 11. I would have went for it, but you know, nah. No. Nope. How did I, the Saints have that money? Where did that money come from? Magic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Little voodoo magic. Well, I mean, think about it this way, Beans. When you trade a first round pick, a second round pick, two third round picks, and some late picks to move all the way up to draft just Chris Olave at pick twelve, that's a lot of draft picks that you aren't paying money to in the future. So yeah, but they didn't have money. They didn't have money to pay Crystal Lave his rookie contract. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they haven't signed him to a rookie contract yet. Ah, uh, yeah, there it is. There you go. <laughs> He's entering the room, <laughs> and they're going fuck. They playing five D chess, baby. <laughs> no, so yeah, Tyron Matthew. It appears for what 
the contract we were offering him didn't want to be here. And I feel like that's probably a little much for Tyron Matthew. So if he didn't want to be here but, for what I think is fair market value and win a Super Bowl, good riddance. He does he go, go against the compensatory pick? No, because it's after the draft. It was? Maybe that's what he was, was waiting on. Well, that's I mean, probably that what, what the Saints were waiting on. So they didn't give us a compensatory pick. Yeah. Which, smart business by the Saints for once. But yeah. So let's move on to what everybody's been waiting for. Uh, let's just go to the Chiefs draft. I mean, big. let's start with big picture, what you guys felt about it. I know we watched the first round together. Um, just what do you guys think as a whole, and then we'll go into the each pick individually. Okay, I'll, I'll speak on this first. Like, the first night when we were all together, like, I wasn't – at first, I wasn't overwhelmed with the picks that we took. I wasn't underwhelmed with the picks that we took. I was just whelmed, like, that first <laughs> night. And <laughs> – just whelmed and that was it that was it like i was neutral and we had our we had our board uh in the room and well, well who was who was our wish list it went from uh well jermaine johnson from, kept dropping and we like reluctantly put him on because we weren't sure if he was gonna fall that far oh we had Jimmy chris olave we had we had chris olave who else and anyways it, every time somebody kept going off the board we just kept crying out and and then yeah, finally we, we <laughs> and then uh then we had a reality section and we had pickens and who else did we have uh pickens was also very smallly written yeah so we had pickens in our reality section so scared but then we got mcduffie and i was like okay i i, I guess i can kind of see them they got a really athletic corner they had to trade up to get him but they got a really athletic corner um didn't doesn't quite fit Steve Spagnola's type, but I think they're taking the upside over, you know, the the structure ability. Right, and he's just a good player that they'll yeah. find a way to use him. Yes, and then the Carl Loftus pick that I mentioned before, he's a like a uh, Carl Loftus is a uh, how do I put it, um, a way overpowered version of Braylon Speaks, and uh, I, I'm not saying I don't like him. But I'm saying this man has a chance to be in here the first day, be a starter, and he's gonna he's have fine. to he's he's gonna he's gonna fucking take over for Melvin uh, Melvin Ingram. I hope he you know all he's got to do is what eight eight sacks a season. That that's kind of our standard at this point for the edge. Yep, cheap eight sacks a season. That cheap part is the part we've been missing. Yes, yes, and he's young. The one thing I like about him is he's young. He just turned twenty one. Yeah, no, and he was I guess. What, since we're going that direction anyways, and we've already <laughs> moved into the picks, let's just start with Trent McDuffie. We've, uh, we traded up. The part that we didn't like about this pick was that the trade-up, right? Like, we love Trent McDuffie, and when you look after the draft at the Hall of Players that the Chiefs got, I'm 100% happy with it. Just the process that we yes. used to get yes. Trent McDuffie was not ideal, especially because, you know, I, I understand that uh, – Elam went next to Buffalo and you don't know if Trent McDuffie is going to be there at 29, but what's that matter? Yeah. And, like, and, and us taking a corner caused the Buffalo bills to take a corner. And in my opinion, they took probably one of the worst corners in the first round. Um, and so I, I think the chiefs trading up saved the chiefs in that, in that situation. And let's get something straight with Trent McDuffie also. Like the only reason that he was available here and not earlier is because he doesn't meet the NFL's precious 
30 inch arm threshold, which like, yeah. don't get me wrong, extremely important. That's and in, in a, especially in a press man uh, scheme, like the chiefs run, like that's a very important thing and it makes your job significantly easier. But as far as just like a player, Trent McDuffie is like a top skill wise as a top 20 pick or top 20 player in this draft. Well, he, the, what, with Trent McDuffie, it gives you a chance to throw him into the slot and get Snead to the outside. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, – oh, good God, RGM. Beach. Beach. I know that Beach had released that there was 16 players in this draft that they had a first-round grade on. If Beach told me that, you know, he got – McDuffie fell to 21 and he was one of the 16 and they just wanted to trade up and ensure that they get one of those players – I'm completely fine with that process. I don't know if that was the case, but that would like make sense to me. Is one of your 16 players with a first round grade fell all the way to 21. You had picked 29 or 31. I can't remember which one we had. And we moved up and got him. If that's the case and we gave up a third and a fourth round pick to do it, so be it. Sam, what are your thoughts? I think uh, that I'm just really surprised that I'm like I don't know what you guys said, but I think the trade up for McDuffie makes sense. Like Gavin said, if he's one of the few guys with the first round grade on, I think it's very probable. Oh my gosh. Sam, Sam, you're in and out. I don't think we got a first round grade up until the books. Oh, God, it's an abortion right now. It's not great. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Quick move on to the next pick, and I'll try and add banter. (laughs) Drive over to Nate's sports show, Stakes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so at uh, pick 30, the pick that we did stay at, we took George Karloftis, Edge from Purdue, and as being said, Young, uh, young edge player. This is a super deep edge class. I'm very, very, very happy to get a player as good as George Karloftis here. Um, in a normal draft class, I think he's a player that, um, just with, with this draft class in general not being that strong, he is a very strong player to be getting at pick 30 in a overall weak class. That's kind of yeah. how I felt. That, that's how I put it in my mind. Do you agree with that, Beans? I, I agree a thousand percent. Yeah, I. I really don't even have a whole lot more to add there. We needed edge. We needed cheap edge. We got cheap edge. And hopefully we can use cheap edge. It really yes. just is that simple. It, yes. it just feels like, too, the class as a whole, everyone knew it was, like, super deep in edge rusher. And it was kind of like the wide receiver class with, like, Jay Judy and CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, where, like, all those receivers went way later mm-hmm. because, like, everyone knew there were so many of them. And it became a thing where a guy like a George Karloffis, who was like a borderline, like top half of the first round pick, ends up in. Yep. No, I completely I agree. agree. And it's really. God damn it. <laughs> oh, no. well, uh, I don't really have a whole lot more to add on Karloftis. I know this next guy we're going to talk about for a while because he's wild, like been a yes. uh, favorite of this podcast. And 
we even tried to fuck it up and let New England take him, but we let no, 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 no. Brett Veach knew what the fuck was happening here. He knew you it. Think so? Yes, there was no way in hell that he would trade back four spots for New England to potentially take one of the better better receivers in the second round. What's the funny part is New England took wide receiver. They just took Tyquan Thornton, who ran a four two forty and does nothing else. And then four and then- picks later, we take both me and Beans top five receiver in this class. Just and then on top of that, George Pickett for that. And mm-hmm. another receiver. Wasn't there three receivers before yeah, that? Yeah, no, Alec Pierce was taken before Alec that. Alec Pierce well. was taken, which I liked Alec Pierce, but, I mean, I would take Sky Moore any day of the week. Alec I Pierce know. got fixed what he tried to do for, though. Yes, no, I agree. I agree. that Where Alec Pierce fell, I think, is a better situation. <laughs> but Sky Moore to the Chiefs, I, did, I was doing backflips. No, yeah, same. And the fact that we got extra picks – on top of it, I think we ended up getting an extra fourth rounder. Or yeah, we getting a really good corner out of the situation with Josh Williams. We basically so, got that fourth rounder back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. True. Right. I mean, Veach, that Sky Moore pick alone was an A plus plus. Yep, and let's. So, I was talking beforehand about like where he could slot into this offense because. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Sky Moore is a 5'10", 195-pound wide receiver from Western Michigan. So not a power five, not a big school at all. But in his first year playing wide receiver ever in his life, put up 800 yards receiving um, at Western Michigan. And then after that, just slowly grew until having a 1,200-yard season this last year. There's nothing to not like about Sky Moore from a production, age-adjusted production um, I think he has the best release in this draft class. And like the only thing that you can say negatively about him is his uh, where he got recruited to and where he played football. And well, he couldn't really control like, that. He got recruited as a fucking quarterback. Yeah. To that point also, he also had to play with Dwayne Eskridge, who was also a second-round pick last year. Still yeah. Still had to play. And he still was just as productive, even with another NFL receiver like, alongside him. So, like, he he is good enough to at least command attention compared to other NFL talents. Oh, yeah. Yep. No, I agree. And another thing that I thought was really interesting was he had the biggest hands in the receiving class. Yes. And I think the, like, 0 to 15-yard down-the-field range, he is going to absolutely just eat in this offense in the same way that Travis Kelsey does. Um, just – I think in a more consistent way that Travis Kelsey does. We're, I think we kind of saw last year Travis Kelsey, the yards after catch, and the, not saying that he like took a massive step backwards or whatever, but we're just naturally going to see a regression because of age with Travis Kelsey from a physical point of view. I think that Sky Moore can replace all of that and then add some more by playing outside receiver as well. If you want to be to set a line, I think he could easily be a thousand yard receiver this year on the Chiefs offense. I think he's our best receiver right now. That I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. If he is used correctly, I think he – I mean, this will be easier for me to say, buy me, Cole, like next year. Like, okay, go, go. Get away, yeah. Cole. <laughs> right. So well, I, I, the other thing, too, the elephant in the room is, like, we also – like, Juju has gotten worse every year he's been, been in the NFL. MVS has been, like, a career complimentary piece. We don't have that guy. Our, our number one receiver right now is Travis Kelsey. So yeah. 
Um, I our wide is a defense gonna line up and attempt to stop uh, our like Hall of Famer tight end, or are they gonna try and stop some second round pick from Western Michigan? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think, uh, and and it's just a pick that the Chiefs needed. That's a player that the Chiefs needed. They need a guy that can. We just lost Tyree Kill. We got to replace this offense. Has to stay good. I mean, look at our division. Got to so, keep up with so here's, the arms race. Arms race. So, so Sam, how many yards do you think Sky? Gavin said a thousand. How many yards do you think uh, Sky Moore goes for this season? Did we lose Sam? I don't know if he's still here or not. He's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> do, developing do, number. Do, do. What do you think? Sam? <laughs> I think I think 700 800 yards is I would set it at that that's a win. I, that's yeah, a win well, that's bet. a win and that's a realistic win too. I definitely obviously I'm very 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 high on Sky Moore and the thing that like you brought it up he's 5 it's 510 but he has more a thicker build. Using him correctly is important, but like it's not like we don't have one of the smartest offensive systems in the NFL to do that, right? And a lot of us mocked Sky Moore. I, every mock draft I saw of the Chiefs had Sky Moore at 29 or 30, and we got him at 54 after Pickens and Thornton and Pierce. <laughs> like it, all the receivers were running, and they, we took him where each was just playing chess. No, I'm gonna. I, this is the perfect way to think about it in my mind, Beans. Where uh, Jahan Dotson went, which was a really weird pick to the uh, commanders at like 16. Yeah, yeah. Would you have rather, like, would you have viewed that pick better if they took Sky Moore? Because I think I would have. I would have, yes. I agree. No, yeah. I, I completely I agree. like Sky Moore's skill set better than Jahan Dotson, who went an yeah. entire round earlier. Yeah, I mean, we've been beating that drum since, you know, we've been talking about the draft at the beginning. Of, uh, when, at our very first podcast, we were beating yeah. the Sky Moore drum. Yep. And, and is Sam back yet? I don't know. We'll move okay, on Okay, we'll here. keep going. And if Sam yep, no, regardless, back on, we'll... uh, enough, enough jerking off Sky Moore. It's time to go jerk off our new safety, who we got at pick uh, 62, Brian Cook from Cincinnati. Dude, Another I... smaller school guy. Uh, go ahead and tell me what you think on this guy, Beans. I fucking love Brian Cook, the safety. <laughs> if you watch this guy's film, holy fuck, this guy's gonna slaughter some faces in the NFL. So, what like type of safety is he, Beans? That's the one thing I don't know about. I think he's a box. He just took over the Dan Sorensen role. That is our Dan Sorensen now. A bigger, more athletic playmaker of Brian Cook. I mean, he's not gonna have. He the just needs to be a little bit better than Dan Sorensen. Oh, he's going to be a thousand times better than Dan Sorensen, in my opinion, because he's not younger. I mean, read. no, it's not. I mean, Dan Sorensen a couple years ago, yes. But I think Brian Cook has that ability that where Dan Sorensen was playing a few years ago when he was a little bit younger. I think Brian Cook can play that longer, if that makes sense. And he's a cheaper I, Dan Sorensen as well. Yeah, I, I thought – I love Brian Cook. I don't think – I don't know if he was uh, – going to be there in the third round i think that's why they took him in the second um but i think he was better than nick cross and i think nick cross fell a little bit after some people thought nick cross was the better of the two i like brian cook i could just fucking body people well it's just another guy that like had he went and done had he done what he did at a alabama at a ohio state He'd be a, he'd be going where lewis sign did right yeah he'd be exactly going where those it's a deep safety class anyways but I don't really know. I don't think he's any worse of a player than a safety that went at the back of the first round. Well, and think of the like, think of the secondary for the Cincinnati. They had a they had two oh corners God. that 
They, it was just a fucking the, the whole defense was a menace, and yeah. Brian Cook is a part of it. Yeah, yep. no, I completely agree. He's a part. He's a reason that the Cincinnati Bearcats from a small ass school made the college football playoffs. Hey, right? they're a Big Twelve school now. Oh, yeah, they yeah. are a Big Twelve school now. Don't you forget. <laughs> Sam, what are your thoughts on the Brian Cook? Um, I'm gonna backtrack to a quick uh, little bullet point on Sky Moore. Sky Moore, Julian Edelman, Sky Moore, good. Let's go uh, seven fifty and six TDs. Nice, good luck. Uh, Brian Cook. Uh, we needed the safety help. We needed the secondary help. I don't think you in today's NFL you can't have too many safeties and corners. It's pretty much the name of the game is safeties, corners, and edge rushers. So I really think that Brian Cook is one of those guys where it's like you know. If he's good, take him, right? Yep. And would you guys agree at, like, this point in the draft, end of the second round? I know at the end of the first round, we're kind of just, like, as Bean said, whelmed. We're just sitting there like, okay. By this point, I'm like, holy shit, this draft is, like, I'm loving this draft at this point. We've almost completely revamped our defense, and we've got a playmaker that I love on offense. Like, there's, we're just nailing every single draft pick at this point and getting players that are good. Maybe we aren't hitting home runs, but when you hit B+, plus, when you hit doubles at every single time you're up to bat, that is just uh, – when you, when you do that consistently throughout the draft, the process eventually is going to pay off and your roster just looks significantly better. Well, and it wasn't just day two that Beach was hitting home runs on. It was day three as well, which we'll get to here in a second, but that, mm-hmm. just overall, just A+. Plus. Yeah, no, because let's get to one of those. Not day three, but our round three selection, we take – Leo Chanel, who I mocked during our mock draft at the end of the first round to the Chiefs, because I have some numbers here for you guys on this athletic motherfucker. He had a 91st percentile 40-yard dash. If you take a speed score and adjust for his size, he was 97th percentile. 97th percentile burst. He drops all the way down to the 75th percentile in the shuttle and the three-cone, and then... He's a strong motherfucker, too, because he's a 99th percentile in the fucking bench. Every single thing that this dude could have done at the Combine, he smashed. And he just also happens to be really good at football, playing linebacker. So, Well, like, if, you, if you remember uh, in the podcast, we talked about our top, my top five defensive players. He was my number three linebacker. And like I said before, he was two generations too late. Because I feel like this guy could be a generational talent back when the running game was more common. This guy is a... Fucking! I love the picture. There's a picture of him. He has death row written on his arm. That alone just says it all. <laughs> this guy can fucking kill. And Tyler Linderbaum. There's a video of Tyler Linderbaum on third down. He bodied Tyler Linderbaum on the third and short to stop the running back backfield. On fourth down, Iowa came back out, ran the ball. He bodied Tyler Linderbaum again. This guy can... I love Leo Chanel. Like, just, he you, can't cover you, very well. He well, can't cover say, very are well. Are you concerned about him having a very similar skill set to Nick Bolton, or do you not give a fuck because it's a third round? Nick, okay, well, Nick Bolton, here's how this linebacking core is going to work. You know, you're going to have your uh, Willie Gay. He's going to play kind of that more pass coverage type. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of his role. He's just going to yes. be more of the pass coverage guy. Nick Bolton, you're in the middle. There's not that much. You're just watching crossers at that point. So there's not much coverage for him to process at that point. And with Leo Chanel, he's only going to be there on third and short. You know, he's only going to be in there running first down, you know, if it's a running situation. He's 
he's that third linebacker that you hardly use, if that makes sense. Because a lot right, of now he's great at the you, one job. That yeah. NFL's NFL anymore has a two linebacker set with an occasional three, and he is going to be that guy to come in on running situations and it, I, that role perfectly. What, and he's smart well, too. Go the ahead, thing Sam. of it too is, is I mean, if you uh, if you look at his uh, relative athletic score, his Raz or whatever, yeah, he's like the third most athletic linebacker of all time. Yeah, he had a he had a nine point nine nine. If you can teach this dude to like even attempt to cover something on defense, then like there you go and there you go, right? Well yeah, and here's he the, here's the add on here's the something to add on to top of that. He's a linebacker. He's gonna be covering tight ends. There's only so many elite tight ends in the NFL. He's gotta cover mediocre tight ends at best. He has the athleticism to where he can accidentally like be in phase with the receiver. He has no fucking idea what's going on. But if he's a half second to a second late, it doesn't matter because he's going to close a 10-yard gap just like that. He's, I mean, the like margin for error when you have that type of athleticism is so high. We can, and he knows his angles, too. If he watches, co- if he watches uh, coverage abilities, he does know how to take the right angles. He's just a step too slow. And like you just said, he can play the edge. Yeah, no, yeah, any, that, anywhere that's in the box. That's thing, I feel like. What's that? I mean... You, I mean that that kind of step too slow stuff being that athletic, I mean that's just instincts. I yeah. mean if you can if you can get that practice rep in, I mean maybe I mean not this year, maybe not even next year, but maybe the year after that, you know, you might be talking about someone who can play all three downs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, take us to the next player, Beans. I'm trying to look at uh, my internet's being slow here. So he is six. He's thicker heavier BMI than Aiden Hutchison, who's one of the best edge rushers in this class. So, like, wow. he is 6'3", 250. Aiden Hutchison, yes, he's 6'7". Like, being tall on the edge is good. But as far as having the size, I, if he just bends around the edge because he can haul ass because he's an athlete, what more can you ask for, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, you go from rushing just four. That's what uh, Spagnola hits on. He generates pressure. He always blitzes five, you know, if he wants to get to the quarterback. And that's what causes quarterbacks to, you know, he, and that's, this guy fits that role. We just went from, you know, worrying about the defense last year with Ben Neiman and, you know, Daniel Sorensen and whoever the fuck we were going to throw at corner. Cause we had Deandre Baker and uh, Fenton that corner two weeks ago. Now look at it. We're uh, one of the scarier defenses now in the AFC West. No, I completely agree. You know, and while we're on, oh. you know what? I Go forgot what I was going to say. Move on. Okay, so <laughs> continue talking I, on oh. defense. We'll move to our round four selection that we got from the Patriots on the trade back. Uh, oh, we wait, I, I Joshua remember Williams. what it was now. Oh, go for Leo it, Sam. Chanel, Dollar Tree, Micah Parsons, lock it in. Ooh, I, I like that. that. I like that. Yeah. Like just a just even like a third of what Micah Parsons provide. I love it. Even if he's in the wrong spot, he's going to get there fast and hit someone anyways. So He's going to cause fumbles. He will cause at least three fumbles this season. I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. Nope. I love that pick. So let's uh, talk about the next one with Joshua Williams, a corner out of Fayetteville State. Beans, I'm going to need you to give a lot of information on this guy because I don't have it. So what do you got? This guy is tall. He's 6'3". Yeah, I did. Yeah, he was on a visit for the Chiefs. Um 
So he's kind of tall. He's six three. He's also got really long arm. He fits that spag corner. And I think this is kind of like I'm not comping him to Legarius Sneed, but if he could be Legarius Sneed, this could this this was a good pick. He was a very good D two corner. Um, missed a couple of seasons because of COVID, and I think he had some injuries. I think he played played through it, but mostly because of COVID, they shut down for two years. So um, fuck the D two for that one. Um, but just from a small school perspective, uh, he was so when he was at the Senior Bowl, they gave him like. I don't know, some technology shit. I don't fucking know. He was uh, considered one of the fastest players on the field at one point with pads on in the senior bowl. So I think that says something. He's just another one of these guys that the reason he's available at, like if the worst thing you can say about a player is he hasn't done it against good competition yet when he hasn't had the opportunity to do that. But the competition that he faced, he was very good against. Like that's a pretty damn good thing to have as your only negative, right? Yeah. yeah, he's going to be a really good special teams that could develop into something else. Yeah, and in the fourth round, what more? Not not necessarily fourth round, but we're getting to that point in the draft where even if you are getting like a rotational player and a special teams ace, like that's still a pretty good. Well, that's that's from the cause of hitting the draft picks before. Now you're just hitting depth pieces at this point. Right. Yeah, yeah. So a uh, Joshua Williams doesn't need to be your top corner, but when he's your fourth or fifth best corner, you're doing something right. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, they—it's the old adage, and you know, this gets played to death. But whenever you're drafting in like the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh round, you're just looking for traits. And Joshua right. Williams, you know, like you say, six threes. He's a six three corner. That—that's a box. He has really long arms. That's another box. He's fast on the field. Well, there's another box. It's like three important things to be in a corner. So, I mean, there you go. You just take a chance on him. I mean, if he doesn't develop, he's still 6'3 and fast. You know. What and I mean? he's also like, like 195 pounds. Yeah, like you can still use him on special teams like Gavin, you said. But, like, you know, if he if he can turn into like a number three corner, then, they, I mean, that's a pretty damn good pick. Yeah, yeah, yep. I agree. No, so uh, I guess I'm going to go through our, our round five selection here, and then we'll lump all the seventh rounders together with all due respect <laughs> to those players. I'm sorry. but uh, so semi did not get over. What a fucking <laughs> ass. <laughs> uh, so our fifth round selection was Darian Kennard, offensive tackle from Kentucky. And I was kind of confused because he's a guy that I've seen all over draft boards, but that also means that he was talk- getting like – Day two buzz. I don't know about late first round buzz, but he's definitely was getting talked about as that like next tier of this tackles in this draft class. And to get him in the fifth round feels like an absolute steal to me. This Smith pick. Ooh, this is okay. This this is Trey Smith right here. Nobody wanted to get Trey Smith because of his medicals. Darian Kennard was the same way. So what his issue was, he had like a meniscus surgery that he needed, but he decided exactly. to opt out of that. Okay. And so he fell to the fifth round. What more? I mean, what more do you want to do there? He's a very good offensive tackle. And honestly, he can play from left, anywhere from left guard to right tackle. He has that kind of range in his body. God, no, getting a, getting a dude that should have went higher but fell just because of medical concerns in the fifth round when, like, yeah, I mean, if 
if he just never plays football again because the medical concerns were like too bad, then like whatever, you burn a fifth round pick. But the uh, range of outcomes for a player like that—that's exactly what you want to be spending these day three picks on, right? And if you look at pictures of him, he just looks scary. He looks like a goddamn it. First guy off the bus. Yes. I and like wasn't he like a wasn't he like an all American? Yeah, I think he was an All-American twice. Hold on, let me look that up. I, I swear it said on his little ticker, like, first-team All-American, like, X2. And it's like, was... this dude played at Kentucky. Yeah, let me look like that up. All-American? Like, yeah. Like, was it academic why? All-American? It's like, how the fuck did we get this guy? Let me look it up. Medical, cause... Sam, you got to watch out because football players got hurt, but they got hurt at the wrong time. Oh, dude, I don't give a shit about the medicals. I mean, you, you gotta round, tr- you you gotta trust your staff well enough, and obviously with the Trey Smith pick, um, oh, the Chiefs. I trust trainer. our staff. I don't trust. I, I trust. I trust the staff on that one. Um, first team All American AFC. Oh yeah, these are like legit CBS Sports AFCA Reese's Holy Senior God. Bowl. Walt Walter Camp. Like yeah, yeah. Those are legit. Like those those are legitimate first team All Americans. Right Hold there. on, second team All American Sporting News CBS twenty four seven, like back in his junior season. Yeah, is, like he's fucking like good. Those... He did it in the SEC. Like to hell with the medicals. Yeah, especially in the fifth round. Yeah, in the fifth round, to hell with them. If he fuck, if he, if he stinks, then it's a fifth round pick. It's a depth tackle at that point. God, yeah. We're gonna be un- if this dude's good, we're gonna be paying him nothing for the next four fucking years. We'll be paying literally like three. If this dude's good, we'll be paying three Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen nothing for the next three seasons. God, that just God. feels good. These pictures are coming across, and he just looks so fucking scary. <laughs> well, so while Beans is looking at pictures of grown ass men, we're gonna move on to the seventh <laughs> round and. So, uh, I guess between Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheco, and I don't even know how to pronounce that dude's first name, Nazi. but he has Johnson in it, so. Not, not Johnson. Yeah. Uh, who's your, who do you like here, Beans? I like Jalen Watson. Another depth piece at corner that could be a special teams role. I couldn't have asked for much more. I, I, a lot of people had him mocked earlier, which seems to be the theme here. You know, he seemed like a fifth-round type corner. Um, and we got him in the seventh. So it's just one of those things where, you know, hey, traits, let's get him. Yep. No, I agree. You got yep. anything to add there, Sam? Watson is, like, big. I wasn't, like, a fan of, like, his athleticism, though, and his testing in that sense. Um, I, I think he projects more just a general special teams guy. I think uh, Pacheco, I, I didn't really like that pick at first. I didn't really understand, like, what we were doing there. I kind of wanted someone who was a bit more of a bruiser to compliment some of our other guys. But I guess, you know, since we got um, Ronald Jones, you know, he kind of fills that role. And when they were showing, you know, I don't want to say the highlights of Pacheco swayed me. But, you know, I looked up his 40 times. I didn't know a whole lot about him. And, like, he kind of got some juice as a return man. And I, we haven't had, like, anyone really be – I don't feel like McCall Harmon's really been that good of a return man. He's been no, like, no, no. I have brain aneurysms anytime. Anytime McCall Hardman is in the back, is back there for return. I have a brain aneurysm every fucking time. And I, I'm just thinking if Pacheco can like actually be like a legitimate, like decent 
like return guy. I'm I'm not asking him to be like all pro returner or anything like that. But like if Pacheco can just like you know return kicks and like kind of do a little bit of that Tyreek Hill, Dexter McCluster magic for like two years, and then maybe like we develop him and he can actually play a little bit on offense. I think that's something to kind of get excited about. Again, haha, offense go burr. My brain is very dumb. So it's really easy for me to like just look at the offensive guy who runs fast and say, ah, yes, that's the guy we like. But um, I'm, but then I honestly don't have anything to say about Nazeem, uh, the other guy. I, I don't know anything about him. He went to Marshall. That's about all I know. Yep. No, Which I... means he's going to be the best player out of this whole class because I don't know a damn thing about this dude and don't even remember his name. So it'll be the best guy, obviously. No, to add on Pacheco, I actually, like, really like this selection. So for those that don't know, Rutgers quarterback was a grad student that they just asked to come back and play – or to come and play quarterback because they didn't have one on their roster. And God, did he look like it. He was fucking ass. And I actually saw that watching Bo Melton play wide receiver – but, like, Isaiah Pacheco also falls into that bucket of, like, well, this uh, quarterback is ass, so we're just going to stack the fucking box, and this guy isn't going to be able to do much. But obviously through the athletic testing, we used, uh, he was used as a returner. Like, you could see the flashes of him being dynamic. It's just he really did get to put up the counting stats that people – that's really easy for people to see, right? So um, I like it in that, t- in that sense to where – there's kind of an unknown with how good at the running back he is, but then also we can just use him to replace the Byron Pringle return specialist type that uh, you guys were referring to. You realize how like good you have to be between him and Bo Melton to get drafted to the NFL, playing alongside some dude who literally was a student like at the beginning of the season. Well, and just like think about it, we are. Speaking as a sad K-State fan, like, we talk so much shit on Will Howard and Nick Ast and whoever the fuck we're trying to throw out at quarterback right now. But, like, it can be worse somehow. I don't know how, but it I, can I couldn't be. imagine going off the street, like, as a coach, like, trying to find a grad student who used to play at, like, bumfuck state college tech A&M that's just there to get their graduate degree at Rutgers and asking this kid, like, hey, we need you to play quarterback. Like, what does that feeling got to be like for, like, a Greg Schiano? I've never seen a player just not be able to hit a folding chair open wide receiver as consistently <laughs> as that dude. Like, there was so many fucking plays watching uh, O. Melton's tape where he was just – Like, for those of you that don't know, folding chair open is to where you could pop up a chair, sit your ass down where you are, and the corner could still not get to you by the time the ball gets there. Except the ball would just land out of bounds or 15 yards away from where the receiver was. It was was awesome. But, yeah, Isaiah Pacheco, Pacheco, love that pick. Um, Any closing thoughts on the Chiefs draft? Um, uh, they did a good job. I thought when you only come out with like, I would say two uh, offensive specialty players, I'm not considering, you know, Kennard is a very fucking good, but you left with a wide receiver and a running back. And 
do you completely overhaul your defense here? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's that's very awesome. That that's fucking amazing. Bonerific. Call it that. Yep. I wanna I wanna also like address the elephant in the room with this draft where it's really easy when you have a bunch of picks to come out and say like, oh, our hall of players is awesome, but we lost Tyreek Hill. Like we lost one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL. I don't want to pay him what he's currently making. And thank you to Tyree kill for everything. But Tyree kill gave us the opportunity to rebuild this team or like re I guess retool this roster and the chiefs knocked it out of the park. So no, that's agree. the important and, thing is when you have these picks actually hitting them. Don't know. Justin Ross signing also as well after the draft. Yeah, spe- speaking of a guy yeah. that fell because of medicals, uh, Getting Dustin Ross as a UDFA, you guys realize, like, in the NFL, like, I'll get to it actually here in a second. So, A.J. Brown was number seven in the NFL in yards per out run at, like, 2.3 yards per out run. Uh, when Justin Ross was a true freshman at Clemson, he led the nation with five yards per route run before like all of his back stuff and before the surgery and everything. But just think about how incredible that is, how awesome his freshman season with Trevor Lawrence was. And like, it's very sad to see him fall because of an issue like that. And I wish the dude the best. He's a guy that you want to succeed, right? He's like a a consensus first round pick after uh, that freshman season and sophomore season. But yeah, that was a good call out there, Beans. Thank you. Or Sam, whoever said it. Yeah, um, hopefully he's able to play. I mean, I we, we've talked about it before. I don't know if we've done it on pod or off pod. He, he's not necessarily the same guy anymore, but, like, if you can kind of just get 75% of that guy, of who he was supposed to be on a UDFA contract, then, like, you're, you're getting, like, an all-time, like, UDFA kind of player. Yeah. No, I complete actually, so I completely agree. I'm going to try and find – a stat on DJ Ugalungle here. They're his quarterback this last year. I can't. Oh, okay. Him. I was going to, I, I, oh, no, I was about ready to say. Or he, yeah. Dude, that guy, if you want to talk about mid, that guy ain't even mid. That dude is super hot ass. So I'm, I don't know what Dr. Pepper paid him, but it was too much. <laughs> DJ Ugabuga Booga. Yeah, that guy. He, so the stat was he led the nation in, like, just inaccurate th- – think about this. The starting quarterback at Clemson led the nation in inaccurate passes, and, like, Justin Ross was 10% above the next highest receiver in college football in inaccurate passes thrown his way. Just think about that, how <laughs> terrible that quarterback has to be. I just got done shitting on Bo Melton's quarterback, and he was, like, not on the list. <laughs> Dude, DJ last year – I swear to you, that kid, like, was, like, his passion was fine. There was, like, nothing wrong with him. He was just overhyped because he was a Clemson. That dude got broken against Georgia. I swear yeah. on my life. I watched that dude get sacked by Georgia, like, nine times. And he just, you could see the fear of God in his eyes. You, you guys know the phrase, he could throw a grape through a battleship? Have you ever heard that before with the quarterback's arm? Um, no. It's like this essentially is just first. saying he can throw something really, really hard. Uh, I, I like heard someone say that about him once because the dude's got an absolute hose for an arm. But the first yeah. comment was, I'm not sure if he could hit the battleship. 
<laughs> it's just kind of a perfect uh, summary of the dude's accuracy. But we got to move on here. Why don't you take us into your thought-provoking moment of this week, Beans? All right. So I got a pretty good one here. Um, Sam, if you want to, you can pull over for this one. Oh, sweet Jesus. If I crash this car because of this, I'd be so pissed. Safety first. <laughs> no. Okay. So this is kind of a cool, cool thing I saw, and it, it – do this a lot. I, I go into spirals a lot because I think of stuff. Oh, okay. So, what do Chinese people think when they buy something and it says "Made in China" or "Made in USA"? I mean, they probably just think. I don't think that much stuff is made in China anymore, is it? It's mostly made in like Vietnam. Well, it's all sitting on a shipping container off the coast of California, anyways. That's, oh, awesome. that's, that's right. Extremely true. They make a lot of I mean, Mexico nowadays too, don't they? I actually went to uh, go buy a suit jacket, like, the other day, and the one I bought was made in Mexico. Yeah, see, I'm... like, like whenever whenever some people go shopping, they're like, oh, let's get USA made. Well, do they, are they shopping like, like, oh, let's find made in China? They probably said make them really... shop Chinese made, wouldn't you think? I mean, I mean logistically. That's slightly racist, but I mean, they have, like, you know, the Chinese government is pretty forceful. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, I don't know. Do they make them buy Chinese, like, pro-Chinese? Do they have anything made in the USA over there? Like, what do we send over there? Well, I don't even think we make American flags, so we probably don't even have... I mean, if they sold those, probably not even those. Tacos. Um, I don't know. What do we make? Cars? Cars. Yeah. Cars. Well, no. Be some cars. They have their own cars. They have Chinese Airplanes? cars. Yeah. I mean, I don't see pictures in China. I don't see pictures in China of a Chevy Silverado. There's... Oh, we lost him. Yeah, we're going to lose him. I, I don't see anybody in China driving a Ford Focus Chevy Silverado. This, so. I know that this isn't the same thing, but I know for a fact that like, um, oh God, this is going to come off extremely racist, but whatever. <laughs> like, I have some like, Mexican friends that just refuse to eat Mexican food. From like you know fast food Mexican places in the United States because it's fake Mexican food. I feel like I don't, like same. I imagine I don't know any Asian people. Or like, okay, I don't know Asian people, and I've talked about that. Talked to them about this, but like I imagine they think the same thing about our like Panda Express and our other like fake our fake foreign food places that we have in the United States, right? Yeah, I I know it's not the same thing, but that's what it made me think of. So wait, do they have a McDonald's? Is that their fake U.S. food? Oh, there, there we go. Yeah, we send our shitty burger places over there. We got to make them fat since they already made us fat. I think that's what – I don't know. It, yeah, see, I thought of that, and I was then it caused me to think about that. You know, like, what do we send over there? What do they send us? You know, well, do I they know drive they our cars? beef imports from India, so maybe they get their beef imported from us. Didn't see another thing. They're, they're logistically smart because a lot of our stuff come from Vietnam and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. they're closer. So logistically, they are in a better part geographically. Yeah, I, we have nothing to offer other nations, and that's why we're in debt. So do you have a hot take for this week, Beans? Oh, no. Okay. So <laughs> Actually, no, I do. I do. Um, no, I do. Okay, well, God, while you're thinking about it, I'm going to go into uh, my hot take this week, and it's actually sad that Sam's not here because I know Sam has uh, feelings about this player, but I, 
we talked about the Tennessee and Eagles draft earlier, and Tennessee was losers, Eagles were winners, and a majority of that is because of A.J. Brown, right? Yes. So A.J. Brown, according to, I don't know, whatever source, the contract that they the Titans offered A.J. Brown was $16 million a year with, like, some of it guaranteed. And the, the, the Titans offered that, right? The Titans offered that, yes. yeah. Okay, and I remember I, that, yeah. I can't, like explain to viewers how just disrespectful that is when like just think of the wide receivers in the NFL that would be making more than that and people are going to be sitting at home like oh well AJ Brown is injury prone AJ Brown is blah 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 blah. well here's uh some facts for everyone that is dumbasses and thinks AJ Brown is not a top five receiver in the NFL so for people that say that A.J. Brown is injury-prone, A.J. Brown has played one more game the last three years than Devontae Adams. And I don't hear anybody out here saying the Raiders lost that trade because Devontae Adams is injury-prone, right? Like, yeah, yeah. A.J. Brown was hurt some this year, and it, like, was a really big deal because he was the only wide receiver of note on the Titans. Sorry, Julio mm-hmm. Jones. Yeah, but. So then we go into he plays on a rud first offense. Like we I've made fun of Tennessee and uh, the Colts a lot on this podcast because they run the ball so godforsakenly much. So his counting stats are just gonna look worse because they don't throw the ball. That's just logic. And yeah. so if you go to efficiency metrics, well, like I was talking about earlier, he's number seven in the NFL in yards per route run. When the dude is asked asked to run a route and win. He does, and he does it like one of the best receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also heard uh, – so apparently Ryan Tannehill sucks. They drafted Malik Willis, and um, Ryan Tannehill is the reason they lost that playoff game. We've all heard these like just fake but apparently true uh, narratives, right, Beans? That to be in. Like Ryan Tannehill well, like, sucks, but he's good. Well, that's the thing. It's like, okay, if you're going to tell me – as national media that Ryan Tannehill sucks, then shouldn't that affect AJ Brown negatively? Like if he's, if he has such a shitty quarterback, according to national media, then why do we not view AJ Brown as like a better receiver? And then just like the easy thing to say that he's just a proper X receiver that consistently sees the number one corner and beats him. He's completely scheme proof. You want to play him in the slot? He can, you want to play him on the outside? He can, you want to play him in the Z? He can. There's absolutely nothing that AJ Brown can't do. And when he's asked to do things, he does it as a high level. So like I not only is he he's currently underpaid by the team that traded for him in the Eagles. Like I'm happy that he got his bag and everything, but in my opinion, he's worth thirty million dollars a year. They're giving him twenty five. And like that's around what Stefan Diggs got. But the the way that the NFL media has reacted to the player AJ Brown is just incredible to me. So I just wanted to spray some light on uh, the American public on how AJ Brown is actually really good and you need to stop calling him injury prone. What do you think beans? No, I agree. Uh, if, if Christian Kirk is worth 20, AJ Brown is worth yeah. more. AJ Brown is worth more. Like, put I, I there was so much like information at everybody there, but that re- it really just is that simple, right? If if I was Christian Kirk and I get that offer from uh from the Titans, I'm walking out laughing. Like there is no goodbyes at that point. It is, it AJ is fuck. Yeah, it's yeah. like fuck off. And no, seriously, what are the tight? I understand why Vrabel was pissed off because apparently they weren't even trying to keep AJ Brown. 
And we, I don't want to go in depth again on Traylon Burks and like saying that he's just going to replace AJ Brown, but he's not right. Like you, yeah. you don't appreciate what you have in AJ Brown right now. Well, you're going to figure out over this next season, exactly how important he was to that offense. So um, I don't have a whole lot to add there. And apparently we've lost Sam. So hold on. Hold you on. Got a Thank you. Scene? Oh, is he back? Hold on. Let me hold on. He said he said to resend the link. So we're, we'll get him out towards the parting word. You know, um, my parting word is, though, uh, the Chiefs are going to be it, it's a great day to be a fan. You know, we went through the long days of summer here or spring, I guess, mm-hmm. seeing players leave and stuff. And it's real disappointing. And, you know, you hate to see, you know, the three go you know we had we had Travis Kelsey you know we have Patrick Mahomes and well four you know Tyron Matthew and all the you hate to see him go you hate to see Tyron Matthew go you hate to see emotional attachment to players that like won a Super Bowl for your team right yeah and it it, it, you know you don't want to see them leave you don't want to see Mitchell Schwartz leave but he left you didn't want to see Justin Houston leave like but the overhaul that we just created like I think we took five steps forward you know we're probably gonna take a step back we're gonna take a step back at some point we no, did. It's, it's worth noting that like we've done nothing but pump up the Chiefs this entire podcast and everybody should be you should be thrilled. But like this was also something that the Chiefs had to do in order yeah. to remain competitive. Like you get rid of Tyree Kill, you get as many draft picks as you do and you're, you're about to Patrick Mahomes contract is about to like actually start. This is the time where drafting well gets extremely important in order for the Chiefs to keep their Super Bowl window open, this is what you have to do, and they do it, and that should be very exciting to Kansas City Chiefs fans. And, I mean, some of these players, Trent McDuffie might get hurt. I'm not, I don't want him to. Knock on wood. Fucking knock on wood. He might get hurt. It might not pan out well. But please, God, in the act, please, God, because we cannot afford. I mean, Fenton. Okay, but anyways, we have homeless men as our backup corners right now. <laughs> but if you look at it, you know, right where we're sitting at this current moment, this time of day. Uh, it's awesome it's it's a mm-hmm. great time to, it's a great time to be a part of this when you watch like we the jets perfect example of like yeah. we've seen the jets be a terrible franchise for the majority of my life and this is the first time that like the jets have um like started hitting drafts in a row and that roster is looking much 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 better right yeah the, and we've seen the chiefs be terrible in the majority of my lifetime being honest and now yeah now they're good but people don't remember that like kansas city used to not be this stuff like it's really easy to forget that that we just like pissed away draft classes like it was nothing for years even when we drafted patrick mahomes like we hit on patrick mahomes and then we just kind of like had a cold streak for a couple years what we've done the last two years has been incredible and but even more so just necessary here, here's a question I have for you. Do you think Veach does mock drafts? I think if he doesn't, he needs fired. I don't care that he's done well, but like, and I understand mock drafts in this year's draft were just like completely useless because it was so weird. But just in general, like you need to have an idea of who's going to be available where just a general in a general sense. So yes, I'm assuming he would have to. You, I'm, everybody goes home and plays on the PFF mock draft simulator. You know, like oh, it's yeah. just. The I don't best... think you could recreate this draft in a mock draft simulator. No, it, it's impossible. What what we saw this year, and maybe that's what we end the show talking on, is just how fucking crazy 
this draft class was like th- for months we had just this bullshit thrown down our or just chucked down our throats of like this quarterback class is actually better than you think and like that, I'm prompted to say that what we talked about with Malik Willis not loving football like apparently that was true like it's apparently everything that could have gone wrong with this quarterback class and just some of the players in this draft class apparently did right yeah. I it was crazy. We watched the first round and it was just like, oh, quarterback's going to go. Quarterback's going to go. The the rest of the quarterbacks being so bad made the Kenny Pickett pick for the Steelers look worse. Just, yeah. Right? I, like, yeah. When that pick and, was made, we were all like, okay, like, yeah, you got to take him. And then no other quarterback goes for another 30 picks and you're just like, oh, well, maybe that was kind of a reach. I think the first draft I think I've seen I mean I'm sure there's been more in the past but this is the one that I've actually paid attention to very closely and think that people took the value of the players um how do I put this like we knew the quarterback sucked so nobody wanted to take a quarterback we knew running back wasn't quite the special place people wanted them to be we didn't see one go in the first round it like people understood where the talent was and they took it in those spots The NFL and, is getting smarter with all that stuff. It, this is probably our first time where we're going to compliment the NFL and say, you guys are smart. Pittsburgh, you weren't smart in the first round, but what do I Well, and, and even then, like, it's really easy to defend a quarterback selection, but, like, not seeing a running back go in the first round for the first time since, I think, 2014. Like, yeah. if that's not a sign that the NFL is growing, sorry, running backs, and, like, parents that are listening to the pod, don't let your kids grow up to be running backs. Like, uh, just... It's incredible. It's kind of incredible to see where the NFL is. And I, I felt as though through this draft, there was so many trades through like back half the first round and the just rest of the draft. I really felt as though since there was no consensus, you saw a bunch of teams like we got to trade up to get our guy, right? Yeah. Like we just got to move up five spots. We don't know where anybody's going to go because there's no consensus. So we're just going to like make sure we get this dude. That's kind of, that's cool to see too because trading up for a player is just I it sounds really simple but trading up for a player is a bigger investment than just taking them like that that guy is uh there's a direct correlation between like trading up for a player and their hit rate increasing it's um oh, yeah. it's really cool when you see that from an NFL team so it's it was a fun draft I I don't know if we'll ever see one like this again just with the complete lack of consensus at basically every position, but it definitely made it uh, fun and interesting to keep track of. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Every pick was something different. So, I mean, on that note, like we would like to thank our listeners, the flyover fan. Thank you all for listening. Um, like subscribe, you know, if you have any questions or comments, you know, send them to us, you know how to hit us up, leave a five-star review, leave a one-star review. We like to hear your input. Um, Sam, unfortunately, he's driving through Wabunsee right now. Um, why Wabunsee service sucks. Uh, so bum fuck, fuck you. Yeah, bum fuck Egypt of yeah. Kansas. Um, and with that, Gavin, any parting words? Nope. I just, uh, now we move into the off season for basically every sport that matters. So now we get to be complete optimist about every one of our teams that uh, as we approach you know, the start of fall football again, and we'll get basketball back eventually. So now's the fun part where we're optimistic fans. I'm excited for that. I'm excited too. And with that, thank you all for listening. And what, what, what's Sam's closing words? Uh, I don't know. Talk to you later. Peace out. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs>
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, see you in 2023 at the NFL draft.